Welcome to the Just for a Change podcast, powered by the Bertha Center for Social Innovation and Entrepreneurship. First off, what you need to know about us is that thinking differently and innovatively about solving big social issues is what makes us tick. We love offering new perspectives on social innovation and social justice. So we hope you'll be inspired to make a difference wherever you are. We're changing the way, we're changing the world. Welcome to the Just for a Change podcast with us, your hosts, Simni Kiwe Tanga and Fergus Turner. So here we are. It's finally the end of the most unprecedented, uncertain year that has not only ushered in a new normal, but also many other cliched buzzwords. Yeah, absolutely. 2020, what a year it has been, Simi. Though it's been a tough year, there have also been amazing things. For those of you who have been following this podcast, or perhaps Beth's work in general, you'll know that we've been juggling many balls, including launching this podcast during lockdown. Exactly. In our previous episodes, we've hosted amazing guests and engaged in thought-provoking conversations. However, today, we feel like it's time to focus inward, just for a change. Indeed. The Bertha Centre was founded in 2011 in partnership with the Bertha Foundation. It is the first of its kind in Africa, dedicated to advancing social innovation and entrepreneurship. And it's amazing to think how, from humble beginnings, the Bertha Centre has grown into an organisation of more than 15 people and a team of consultants across the six portfolios of education innovation, health systems innovation, youth development, Bertha scholarship, innovative finance and social systems innovation. It is amazing. And maybe, now that you mention it, perhaps let's briefly touch on what these various portfolios have been up to this year. We'll also dive into the details just now with our guests. And one of the things that jumps to mind for me is the systems justice team's involvement in the Build Peace Conference. It was great to have so many people across the world engage on the topic of peace via the virtual event, sharing experiences and insights on the challenges to peace in a digital era. I also think of the education innovation team's involvement in growing the social justice conversation in schools, how they innovated and remained committed to making a difference in the education sphere despite the lockdowns. Speaking of a pandemic, the Health Systems Innovation Team has worked on many different initiatives as well as being awarded funding from the WHO to develop a community engagement learning package which will focus on COVID-19. They have done such a great job. There was the Youth Development Team's partnership with Lucha Lunago to host workshops to explore innovative ideas to address youth development challenges in South Africa, which I think is quite cool. And they've been working as part of a collaboration with Capacity, the YD Colab, and Lucha Lunago to document the youth development ecosystem. This is going to be so valuable. The Innovative Finance Team has had an incredibly successful impact investing in Africa Executive Education Program this year running online for the first time, which allowed more people than ever before to register and participate. A definite highlight in the Bertha Scholarship portfolio has been the incredible collaboration and integration between the Bertha Scholars and the Centre as a whole, something we have been trying to achieve for a number of years and have been exponential growth in this year. Why don't we hear from the teams themselves as we reflect on what the various portfolios have been up to this year? 
recognizing some achievements, but then also touch on what the teams are looking forward to in 2021. Ken Zahadebe will be talking to some portfolio leads as they reflect on the year that has just passed. They say that reflection is one of the most crucial elements for intentional and effective rest at the end of a year, even more so at the end of a year like 2020. If we don't stop and take stock, we not only miss our achievements and the opportunity to celebrate various victories, but we also don't recognize or realize how much we've grown. The Bertha Center convenes, catalyzes, educates, researches, and advocates across specific thematic areas. Each of our portfolios has its own particular goals, strategic objectives, and activities, with systems innovation and social justice as a cross-cutting and integrating area of work. Today, I'm excited to be chatting to two Bertha team members, Fergus Turner, who will speak to the Bertha Scholarship Portfolio, and Louise Albertain from Bertha's Education Innovation Portfolio. And I'll be sharing some highlights from the Social Systems Justice Innovation team. Louise and Fergus, welcome. Great. Thanks, Kenzie. Thanks, Kenzie. Always good to be with you. <laughs> I'm so excited to be chatting to you guys about our work. And I thought maybe a good place to start would be just to get an overview of your portfolios. Louise, you're joining us for the first time on the podcast. Tell us a little bit more about what you do. Great. Thanks for the opportunity, Kenzie. The Education Innovation Portfolio is focused on strengthening the education system to ensure equal access to quality education. And we do this in three ways, supporting better decision-making for positive impact so that time, money, and capacity is spent on strategies that do work. And secondly, growing social justice conversations in schools to develop inclusive, just, caring, and engaging classrooms in schools where all children feel safe and empowered. And thirdly, building capacity to innovate within the education system. To hear a bit more about the Bertha Scholars portfolio, I'm going to hand over to my colleague, Fergus. Thank you, Louise. So in a nutshell, the Bertha Scholarship, which has um, a selection of scholars across the continent, 93 plus alumni, um, supports innovators and leaders in business, civil society and entrepreneurship. Um, by funding and championing their work um, at the Graduate School of Business um, in either the MBA or MPhil Inclusive Innovation programs. And really, the Bertha Scholarship is much more than just the scholarship itself. We support the community, the network effect of those young leaders across the continent working towards social justice in their respective areas and sectors, um, with an innovative lens. And furthermore, in 2020, of course, it hasn't been the case, but usually um, our scholars connect, convene um, very regularly so as to keep the energy of that community going um, in different cities on the continent. And while we're at it, Kense, why don't you tell us more about the Social Systems Justice Innovation Portfolio? Thanks, Fergus. Um, the social systems justice portfolio, our work is really embedded in systems thinking. And what that basically means is that we're interested in understanding how systems operate. We're curious about where are the opportunities, where are the limitations, and what does that mean for organizations, institutions, and society broadly? 
We're deeply committed to identifying how we can influence and shift systems that are resistant to change, identifying connections, uncovering the power dynamics and inequalities, and ultimately revealing the leverage points to create change. Shifting systems is not about fixing a problem in isolation or about being right or wrong, but rather about coming together as collectives to nudge systems towards desired change in how the system works. And that's really what we aim to facilitate through various projects. So 2020 was an intense year. And I think one of our highlights was working on the African Philanthropy Forum Systems Change Program and really redesigning that program to deliver it online. But I'll share a little bit more about that later. I think for me, what I want to jump into now is something that I was quite excited about, Louise. Um, and that's some of the work that you've been doing in the education portfolio, looking at multilingualism in our education system. So we know that South Africa is a multilingual country, yet we continue to see a widespread sudden transition to monolingual English education after three years of formal schooling. Louise, can you tell us a little bit about the specific challenge facing South Africa's education system and how Bertha's education innovation portfolio has been addressing that this year? Mm, you've highlighted a really important challenge, Kinsey. Painfully, our country's children are often positioned as deficient English monolinguals rather than resourceful bilingual learners. This needs to be addressed as a learning and social justice imperative. Therefore, earlier this year, the Bertha Center was privileged to partner with Lisa Guzula, a literacy expert, UCT lecturer, and a member of the Buer Lit Collective, to bring together a group of stakeholders to discuss how we develop multilingual classrooms. Because despite our country's current language policy promoting multilingual education, this isn't playing out in classrooms, with schools throughout the country drafting their own language policies that fail to recognize, celebrate, and build on the resource of learners' diversity. The Knowledge for Impact workshop we had with Ms. Gazula looked at the evidence for and how-to of strategies for enabling children to learn, using their most familiar language resources while also developing proficiency in English. I think what's really interesting, um, particularly for 2020, and what was really unique during this period and this pandemic, is that it really required and demanded a rapid kind of research and learning. And Louise, you guys took a leading part in the Open Up Your Thinking Research Bootcamp. What did that entail? What was it about? Well, we were able to do that kind of research and learning as part of an ambitious research project in response to the pandemic under the wonderful leadership of JET Education Services and alongside partners like Equal Education Law Center and the National Education Collaboration Trust. This bootcamp invited young researchers to uncover the best educational strategies to be used during times of crisis along various topics. I was honored to be the co-lead with Dr. Roxana Rajab as project lead on the report, a comparative study on how NPOs in education were responding to the COVID-19 pandemic. The main purpose of the research was to investigate how this valuable stakeholder group in the education ecosystem was responding to the worldwide COVID-19 crisis, with an emphasis on those operating here in South Africa. And a secondary purpose was to make recommendations for long-term changes. I think that's essential for the future sustainability of NPOs in education. And I believe that this type of rapid research was appropriate for this season, in which 40% of school days were being lost for most children in 2020. Jake conceptualized this research bootcamp as a way to 
contribute to solutions in response to these unique pressures, to allow for real-time inputs to be made into other national education processes, and to meaningfully engage young researchers, especially during the early stage of lockdown. Sure. And you guys didn't actually stop there. You also hosted some really fascinating and interesting webinars around education. One that I'm really particularly interested in hearing about, and that's because it received such a positive response on our YouTube channel, and it really resonated with the Bertha Center community. And that was the webinar responding to racism in schools. Can you share a little bit about what some of the highlights were from that webinar? Yeah, thanks, Ken. So along with the rest of the country, um, we witnessed the deep hurt and frustration against the backdrop of a growing international Black Lives Matter movement that painfully once again had to be vocalized by learners in schools across South Africa. The Bertha Center's education innovation team wanted to continue our own learning journey on this and serve schools and the broader education community by sharing input from experts on how school stakeholders can respond and engage with the young people in their care. Conversations like these are often best held face-to-face, but finding ourselves in the midst of the continued challenge of lockdown, the conversation was moved online. We invited Loveland Nwadei, Dylan Ray, and Kehilwe Nseke to share their insights in this webinar, and they were generous in giving guidance on how schools can really listen, get help, and act. To give you a snapshot of attendee questions that fueled this discussion, One of the teachers asked, how do we have needed conversations, really listening, and then make changes that dismantle the oppressive systems in our schools? One of the principals asked, how do schools deal with teachers on our staff regarding the hurtful and damaging behavior? And how do we bring reluctant staff along towards inclusive and healthy learning environments? And one of our parents asked, what is the role of parents and How do schools support them and children, given the mental health burden of institutional racism? As you mentioned, Kense, over 500 school leaders, educators, parents, and stakeholders from tertiary institutions joined the live discussion. And the recording that can be found on YouTube, as you mentioned, has been viewed close to 2,000 times. I think that is indicative of the urgent need for continued learning and unlearning and practical equipping in the education space to do that which Austin Channing-Brown speaks of when she says, the work of anti-racism is the work of becoming a better human to other humans. Thanks, Louise. And I think for anybody who missed that webinar, we'll be sharing the link in our show notes and we'll also be sharing all the other projects that Louise has been speaking about if you'd like to read a little bit more. Fergus, I want to bring you back into the conversation. Um, And I think for me, this is quite critical because at the beginning of the year, we actually hosted an event for the Bertha Scholars. It was one of the face-to-face events that we were able to do before lockdown struck. And I'm particularly interested to find out in what else has been happening in this community, which is actually really vibrant and is filled with so many inspiring people who are doing really exciting things. Sure. So one of the major highlights this year, Kense, is despite... Um, the lack of being able to convene um, in person. We've had more involvement of current and incoming scholars in the MBA and M4 programs at the GSP, more involvement in Bertha Center's other programmatic work. And um, examples of this include the Bertha Scholar uh, who currently is serving as essentially a temporary member of the systems justice team on an ongoing basis uh, and has assisted um, in the AP of uh, 
in the APF work, amongst other things. Another great example of this is the research cohort that joined the Transforming Change um, Research Project, which is a uh, project in partnership with the Stockholm Resilience Centre, and where the research question is all about understanding the effects of COVID-19 lockdowns on social entrepreneurship, social uh, social innovators across the African continent, and um, recognizing that this kind of involvement across different Bertha Center portfolio work areas has been a priority, but we haven't been able to get it right to this extent this year. Um, and I think uh, really in reflecting on it, it, it makes me recognize that when you know, when faced with this kind of um, sense of isolation and disconnectedness, especially scholars who were expecting to to be in classrooms and connect with people at the GSB in their programs, um, that faced with this kind of isolation and disconnectedness, the opportunity to connect and work together is all the more uh, all the more appetizing. And I think we've been able to really jump on that and leverage that. Um, other examples include, of course, Build Peace 2020 and several scholars showing up to assist in facilitating and hosting a variety of sessions, providing backup to the marketing and communications team um, and the Systems Justice Labs, which was a pilot um, program of capacity building uh, social justice organizations with systems tools and frameworks. Again, scholars showing up not just to participate on behalf of their organizations and work, but also to lead and facilitate sessions. So that's really, really shone out to me and, 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 and makes me very excited about how we can um, continue with that momentum into the new year. That sounds amazing. Fergus, what do you think was the impact of, of Build Peace, which was really an exceptional conference? Um, most importantly, um, as, as many of our uh, regular listeners would know, Build Peace 2020, a partner, sort of a partnered event with a, a global peace building um, network, um, Build Up, um, was meant to take place at Philippi, at Philippi Village this year, um, with a theme that contextualizes the peace building community in Cape Town, in, 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 in Cape Town's particular story and uh, present, present day challenges. Um, but the conference uh, happened entirely online and a large part of the impact there would have to be the way that more than 400 participants were still able to feel that sense of community, of sharing, of co-learning, of co-created um, building of trust and understanding uh, of how all of our all of our different work areas have changed over this year. I mean, you know, pretty much the majority of content, short talks, keynotes, and uh, workshops were framed um, in the context of, well, our work has fundamentally changed. Peace builders and social justice workers and organizations, our work has changed, our context has shifted. And so there was a lot of sharing uh, of how do we make sense of this? Um, what is this? What does this mean for the way that we build our organizations and our sectors going forward? So very much that, that sense of community that was able to, to persist um, over, over over that online um, conferencing portal um, and birth the center's capacity to contribute in making that happen 
convening, coordinating that scale of, of, of contributors, partners, organizations, um, participants online, I think, I think that has, that, that's definitely a feather in our cap uh, for, for how we continue to, to convene in these uncertain times. I think what's so important about what both you and Louise are highlighting is how we've been able to still convene and engage with individuals online. And I think that's been, for me, one of the biggest takeaways of pivoting and rethinking how we design and deliver programs online. And and I think that connects quite well with the experiences that we also had with the African Philanthropy Forum Systems Change Program. And what that program really is about is that it acknowledges that systems entrepreneurs on the continent in Africa are making an impact in their own fields and in their own sectors. However, we also know that the most pressing issues that we're facing in the continent and the ones that we'll be facing in the next five to 10 years, they don't exist in a vacuum. So what we need are actors who can see the whole system and act in ways that seek to transform that system. So with the support of the African Philanthropy Forum and Dahlberg, we capacitated leaders working across health, education, agriculture, and enterprise development in Zimbabwe, Nigeria, Malawi, and South Africa to deepen their capabilities in systems entrepreneurship. And really with the objective of creating a community of actors capable of developing innovations and interventions that have large scale social impact. And I think to tie in a little bit about what you were talking about, Fergus, is that also earlier in the year, we also delivered the Transforming Change Program in partnership with the Swedish Institute and the Stockholm Resilience Center, where a systems thinking lens is applied to capacity building in the development sector with a big focus in the global south. Yeah, and really, um, you know, with 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 the way that everybody's been able to come together, it's, I mean, I'm also speaking more more generally here but the the feeling of team building the feeling of um roping our different resources and skills and perspectives together over this difficult time has never felt stronger uh, in the context of bertha center as a team and a center and a space where we all are trying to um, build our purpose forward Thank you so much. I think Fergus and Louise really appreciate how you've been sharing your highlights and perspectives um, and what you've been doing for 2020. Thank you so much, Kense. As always, a pleasure and uh, looking forward to putting this year to rest and doing the reflection that counts so much. Great. Thank you, Kense. It was really good to chat to you. Wow, what an incredible year it's been, despite all the challenges. With all the reflection going on, it makes me excited to talk about the future as well. We asked the Bertha team what they are looking forward to in 2021. Here's what they had to say. Everyone has a fantastic end to 2020. Happy New Year for next year. I am looking forward most to cross-collaboration and seeing what sort of work we can do as a, as a centre together. Really looking forward to that. And having an end of year in person. In 2021, I'm looking forward to collaborating with all the different organizations, departments and government and individuals that are committed to making sure that South Africa emerges from this crisis stronger than ever before, be it by looking at segments of our society that have been affected the most by the pandemic and providing them with resources 
trying to understand how we can put in place enabling infrastructure so that if we are hit with a similar crisis, the response is a bit more able and we can mitigate the damage to our society from that. And generally just seeing how we can not just return to normal, but return to a society that's even stronger than it was before. I'm looking forward to a year full of opportunity and growth, both um, professionally and personally. Hi, this is Ndombini, and I recently joined the Bertha Center in the role of senior manager. It's been wonderful to listen to those voice notes and get a bird's eye view of what the team is looking forward to in 2021. My own highlights um, for 2020 have been, of course, uh, starting a new job um, at the Bertha Center. Although I am a longtime UCT employee, it's really exciting to be with a new team doing innovative work um, that really matters. And maybe another highlight I can share is that a book I've been working on for two years um, called Reframing the Urban Challenge in Africa has recently been published and is finally available online. So, yay. Today, I'm going to be chatting to three Bertha team members to hear about what's on the cards for 2021 in the areas of innovation finance, health systems innovation, and youth. Let's welcome Stephen, Katusha, and Simikiwe. First off, let's maybe hear one challenge and one highlight from each of you as you look back on 2020. How about you, Steve? Thanks, Ntumpini. Um, starting with the challenge, I only joined the team in January, and although I had had interactions with the innovative finance team for a couple of years, I hadn't met the broader Bertha Centre team. So it was quite interesting to start a new job and three months in get thrown into lockdown, which changed the way that the whole team worked. And beyond that, it made it also a bit difficult to get to know my teammates. On a slightly lighter note, uh, one of my highlights, uh, we were able to partner with the EU and GIZ uh, to provide relief funding to 12 small, medium and micro-sized enterprises in the Green Outcomes Fund ecosystem. And we've had some really good feedback uh, calls with them uh, where they, they mentioned that, that funding didn't just help them to weather the storm, but they could actually use it as a platform to expand a bit. So that was, that was really great to see. Fantastic. What about you, Katusha? So one of my uh, challenges this year, I think uh, in common with, with so many other people is adapting to working at home. I am um, a team person. I like being at work and, and seeing um, my colleagues. So it was difficult having to adjust to this new reality of Zoom and conference calls and Microsoft Teams. But I... Looking back, it's wonderful to see how much has been accomplished. Um, and I think what helped me was a, a really wonderful highlight um, that happened all the way back in February. And that was when I was able to host um, members of the Ministry of Health from Benin, as well as um, representatives from the World Health Organization, UNAIDS, and um, from Malawi, who were interested in learning about social innovation and health in South Africa. So I was able to take them to a number of our local um, 
social innovators such as the Red Cross Children's Hospital radio station and Ambalimi Bezakaya, which is a community garden project. And just to to show them what we've been doing here um, in South Africa and sharing that information um, that they'll then be able to take back to their own home countries. So that was a really great highlight that sustained me throughout the year. That's amazing. Also making sure that Bertha's lessons uh, go beyond South Africa. Fantastic. Sinigiwe, can you also share with us one highlight and one challenge? No, um, I'll start with the challenge. Uh, so beginning of the year, just when I thought I was going to get my hands dirty and do the work on the ground in Philippi Village, um, yeah, that was cut short by lockdown. Um, but the highlight of it has been forming these collaborations with our partner organizations and one of them being Lucha Lunaco, which is based in Johannesburg. So the continuous connection online has been amazing and doing all this work uh, without being able to um, uh, connect with one another physically, but being able to have um, that uh, platform in engaging with one another and coming up with opportunities to do surveys and do reports has been absolutely a highlight. Stephen, amidst the chaos of 2020, you guys managed to successfully launch the Green Outcomes Fund which incentivizes local South African fund managers to increase investments in green SMMEs. This is so exciting. What does next year have in store for the fund? And what are some other things on the horizon for the Innovative Finance Portfolio in 2021? Yes, a really interesting time to launch an innovative finance structure in the market. We've had some really great learnings come out of it this year already. So we're going to look to share some of those in the coming year. The Green Outcomes Fund uh, will also be in its second year of the three-year pilot. So we're expecting it to be the moving year. Uh, we're really looking forward to an uptick in investments with quite a few uh, deals under due diligence at the moment. And with those investments, we're hoping for a lot more job creation to come out of it. A part of what we're testing is how or if fund managers use the outcomes funding innovatively. So we've already seen one fund manager offer a much lower loan rate than they would have without the outcomes funding to an SMME. So we, we're hoping for more of that. At a broader level, uh, the innovative finance team is working on quite a few projects, uh, which I, I'd like to share with you. So some of the research that we're doing in partnership with UBS Optimus Foundation, Roots of Impact and the University of Zurich is on the factors that influence the appropriateness of certain instruments in different contexts when looking to engage in a blended finance transaction. We'll also be releasing some research in early Jan where we've mapped the climate finance flows in South Africa over two years in partnership with Green Cape and the, the Climate Policy Initiative. We, we're really excited about next year's executive education because we are running three impact investing courses. Uh, one is an intro to impact investing, open to anyone. That's going to be a virtual course in mid-April. Um, then we also have two executive education impact investing courses. One will be a virtual one, run over May and June, and then an in-person iteration towards the end of November. So keep a watch out on our website and our newsletter for those. Um, one of our, our key projects that we've worked on over the, the past few years has actually wrapped up towards the end of, of this year, the Early Childhood Development Social Impact Bond Innovation Fund. So we'll be developing a case study 
sharing some learnings with the market and also looking what version two um, is going to look like. Beyond that, we'll be releasing some interesting research on investment in high impact social enterprises in partnership with the SAB Foundation. And here we're really looking to shift the system a bit in how to do early stage investment a bit differently. Our last two that I'd like to mention are we'll be releasing funding from the Student Seed Fund to help finance and develop minimum viable products and early stage development of entrepreneurs in our system. And lastly, for Impact Invest in South Africa, in Q1, we'll be reviewing how to make the South African Impact Investing Task Force even more impactful by reviewing strategy and, and key elements of the task force. And from Q1 onwards, it will also be set up as a separate entity uh, where we're looking to strengthen its position as an entry point into the impact investing market. So quite a busy year lying ahead of us for 2021. Patricia, you've been collaborating and providing input on the development of a module on social innovation in health and community engagement. Tell us about the development of this module and how it will be used next year. Sure. So this is a module that I was asked to contribute to um, that is being designed and promoted by TDR, which is the special program for research and training in tropical diseases. And it's hosted at the World Health Organization. So the objectives of the module are to define the benefits of using implementation research methods in social innovation and health. So it contributes to the knowledge of innovators and other stakeholders like government, um, policymakers, uh, civil society um, on the value of, of implementation research um in social innovation in health systems both for policy and practice development and it provides a, a great framework on the engagement of communities in social innovation and health and i think that's really important and the other thing it does is that it provides an innovator's guide um towards achieving um you know integration with communities being inclusive of their needs. And I think that's really exciting. So it's a continuation of the work that we've been doing for a number of years with the Social Innovation in Health Initiative. And um, it's a great opportunity for Bertha to collaborate with our partners in uh, at, in the other hubs um, across the global south. Um, so these are the hubs in Malawi, the hubs in Uganda, um, the hubs in Nigeria. So we're all participating in um, contributing towards this move. Another really exciting thing is the fact that you've been collaborating with the UCT Faculty of Health Sciences to design an executive education course on global surgery, co-badged with Harvard University. When will this be convened? And do you have anything particular you want to share on the topic? Sure. So this is such an exciting opportunity for us. It will be the first executive education course that the Bertha health team will be putting um, into play. We have a number of great courses with innovative finance and systems change so and education as well. So being able to add to that sort of suite of executive education offerings is, is awesome. Um, and it's an opportunity for us to collaborate with UCT Faculty of Health Sciences. And as you said, it's being co-badged with Harvard. And it's exploring the concept of global surgery, which is a rapidly developing multidisciplinary field that, that aims to provide improved and equitable surgical care across international health systems. So it really for us hits that sweet spot of exploring 
um, systemic change within uh, the health system. And um, as the health innovation portfolio's goal is towards achieving health equity, it's great to be able to contribute to this. And we will specifically be contributing to the innovation perspective. So it's, it'll be a five-day course, um, and we're aiming to have it launched in the middle of, of 2020. Who is your primary audience for this course? So our primary audience would not only be clinicians and surgeons, but it will also be public um, health professionals um, and policymakers, epidemiologists, economists, because it speaks to advocacy, education, research and clinical components. So it really is an opportunity to raise awareness of the extreme disparities that um, internationally are occurring around health delivery. Wow, another exciting development. Simnigiwe, unfortunately, during the pandemic, you had to put the Changemakers program on hold. Can you tell us a bit about this program and what you foresee happening with it next year? And what other things are you looking forward to in 2021? Um, thanks, Domini. So just to give you a bit of context, the Youth Innovation Portfolio at the Bertha Center for Social Innovation and Entrepreneurship was established in 2019 to support Africa's young people to transition to education and or employment by uncovering effective, affordable, and inclusive solutions, and by supporting the accelerated uptake of these solutions in low-income settings. So in our collaborations, we've consulted with various youth development organizations, as well as through engagements with young people, particularly in the areas of Filipi, Kukuletu, Nyanga, and Langa, which is also known as Lagunya. And with the Changemakers program, it was aimed to run every three months and with youth uh, being identified by Bertha Center and partners at Philippi Village, which is at the heart of Philippi. Um, and so when we started, we had young people um, from the ages of 19 to 29, and there were about 30 of them. And we unfortunately uh, ran that um, program for two weeks and we were stopped by um, lockdown. And so the aim of um, the program going forward for 2021, um, the cohort uh, will have a five-pronged program approach, which includes um, the following elements, um, which is very, very important in the work that we do, and that being social entrepreneurship, which aims, um, which is which is the aim of the social entrepreneurship training um, to increase the entrepreneurial capacity of young people. And secondly, the eventing and festival organizing, which aims to put practical eventing skills to effect and develop an organizational muscle about how to put things together and also aiming at activism and advocacy, which is a key part of the work that we do. And then the psychosocial support aims, um, because within the South African context, it is paramount um, it is paramount work that we look at social support and we need to develop a resilience and, and grit within young people. Um, we also looked at having uh, a massive open online course, which is also known as a MOOC, uh, that aims to cultivate a social innovation mindset and to assist change makers with the foundational knowledge needed to set up effective organization. Also, um, the other element was 
a reflective learning math support that we've identified. And um, its objective is to build up basic maths competencies and to access further education or employment. Um, we do recognize that work needs to be done to develop basic skills, including the building up of basic numeracy. And so just um, also highlighting some of the activities taking place in Philippi Village is that in that hub, there's a lot of recreation taking place currently. And also part of that is uh, the skate park and the soccer pitch. And so another element that we find would be useful for the program is sports for development which aims to facilitate the running of effective sports for development programs. And that includes a holistic understanding of development. Um, yeah, so those are some of the things that I think are what we are looking forward to. And right at the beginning of January, we are going to be hosting a, a Pathways to Careers where we've reached out to organizations like TVET colleges that will support in giving insights and opportunities for young people to have access to information because the closer young people get to information, the better it assists them in their job searches and, of course, um, knowledge. Yes, access to information is so important. Without that, it's really hard to, to understand all the opportunities that lay before you. Dombini, we'd love to hear from you what the Bertha Centre is looking forward to in 2021. Well, I think first and foremost, we're looking at building on all the individual portfolios, some of which you've presented uh, for us uh, earlier in this podcast, and use those as ways to increase the impact of the work that the Bertha Center does. Um, I think impact is at the heart of all of Bertha Center programming, and we actually want to become much more... Um, deliberate and strategic in making that happen. And I think two other areas which the Bertha Center is hoping to grow in are inclusivity and building connection. And when I say inclusivity, I'm specifically meaning the types of work that the youth development portfolio is doing and also looking at how we can help other marginalized communities actually capitalize on um, the opportunities that lay within social entrepreneurship. And building connection really is something that we're looking to do more of across the continent. So not just in particular sectors like health, um, as Katusha mentioned earlier, but building a community around social innovation and entrepreneurship. Um, there's a lot of amazing initiatives, homegrown initiatives that are happening in every corner of the continent. Um, and we see our, part of our work for next year as bringing those different organizations and different actors into conversation with each other um, and helping us create a unified voice around advocacy for support for social innovation. So I think 2021 is absolutely going to be a year full of ambitious plans, um, hoping to build on the, the solid efforts of the team um, during this time of COVID, which, which have... Um, really kept the Bertha Center going and kept our profile up. And we're hoping to build on that in 2021. Thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. And I'm looking forward to 2021 and doing this with all of you and our incredible Bertha team. Thank you for tuning in to Just for a Change, powered by the Bertha Center for Social Innovation and Entrepreneurship. The podcast 
where we offer new perspectives on social innovation and social justice. If you're curious about solving social issues in your community or believe we can make a positive, tangible difference in the world, then make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Also, remember to have a look at the show notes if you're interested in finding out more about the Bertha Center for Social Innovation and Entrepreneurship.